Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello, I'm Scott Soshnick. And I'm Evan Novi williams and this is the How Micro Can You Go sports business podcast, The Sportacast. All right, the listeners aren't watching you, Kelly, but uh, you might know that I like to rate Evan's intros. So how micro can you go? I mean, that can go any, any direction. I, don't, I thought his level of enthusiasm was a bit low. You know, <laughs> if, you're, if, if there's going to be some confusion as to what we're talking about, it's, if it's not obvious, you better bring the performative aspect. So Kelly Pratt, CEO of InVenue, please rate Eben Novi Williams' intro to this podcast. Oh, gosh. I, it, has, it has to be like a 10. Like, that was good. Oh, come <laughs> on. Don't, he, he, he's the junior member of this whole thing. Don't suck up to him. Beautiful. I, I like it. I like it. It's so much better than talking about bore predict, boring predictive analytics. Like, <laughs> oh wait a minute, we've got a whole show now. Cross that off the list, <laughs> yeah, guys. Yeah, okay. yeah, exactly. Predictive <laughs> analytics. Forget it. Let me tell. Uh, we'll get to the whole micro bet. I mean, we'll get to what you do, Kelly. But I got to tell you, are you also involved in predictive analytics in term of fan like in venue fan behavior as it would pertain to food? And merch, because I knew the Sacramento Kings for a while were toying with the idea of predicting what their season ticket holders in their premium sections would eat and what time they would eat it based on their previous dining consumptions. So I'm just curious, is that part of what you may sway into or if you're not already doing it? That is not part of what we do. However, uh, the way we chose the name, you'd think it would be in venue. Yeah, in venue, right. Venue. Um, no, you know, we did when I when I was uh, deciding to found this company, spend a lot of time analyzing what people do in stadium. But I really didn't grab the data on what they were ordering and how they ordered it. But maybe maybe for another life or for the next business. Right. All right. Well, the, well, the natural follow up then, because I can tell you how we came up with Sportico, um, you know, sitting around and. Jay Penske loves his portmanteaus. So that, you know, that I thought it was a little too political myself, I, but People seem to like the name. It's fine by me. How did you come up with InVenue? You know, we we first wanted the name InPlay, little InPlay, and we were we were real excited about that name. And then the NBA named an app after InPlay, and we thought that was too close. And uh, <laughs> out some of the folks we work with were the ones responsible for that. And we said, you you stole our name, and then you you didn't continue it. But you know, we uh, I founded this company with uh, with my brother, and we were very, very into stadiums. Like that's, that's everything that we're about. My dad used to take us to 
instead of a grand vacation to Disneyland, we'd be like at Mile High Stadium. I'd be doing cartwheels across the 50-yard line or something. <laughs> so our life had been about stadiums, and we just said, why not in venue? And it seemed to stick. So hey, Kelly, we, we have people on often asking about origin stories for their companies. Uh, and, and obviously, some people have aha moments. It sounds like you had an aha moment at some point that led to the start of Invenue. I did. I did. It's, it's multifaceted, but it actually started... Uh, it started with the Yankees game, if you want to know the truth. Um, so I was... We want to know the truth. Let, let us get that out of the way right now. For the, rest, for the rest of the podcast, we'd like to know the truth. <laughs> You'd like to know the truth. You got it. No, I was, uh, I was leading uh, large R&D teams at, at Hewlett-Packard, and I actually was out here in 2015 for, uh, for some business, and our business got canceled uh, from the location we were supposed to be at, which was Yankee Stadium, and we had to move because the Yankees were in the wild card and they were there uh, facing Houston. Um, and I'm from Houston, and I thought that would be pretty awesome. So I, I hopped, in the, hopped in the stands, and, or hopped in the subway, my first ever subway ride, and went to Yankees. Wait, State. wait, did you go up the west side on the D, or did you do the number four on the east side? I can't remember for the long time. the whole story. What, was there, well, there, well, people ask me this all the time. For first-timers going to the stadium, you can go either way, but I say take the four on the east side because there's a moment which you exit the tunnel and you're an outdoor elevated train on the four and you see the grand, like boom, Yankee Stadium that was it. hits you in the face. That was it. You it's took the four. You were on the east side. Okay. Yep. So whatever that one, yeah. So that was my, my first Yankees game, uh, you know, and I wanted to fit in. I even bought a Yankee shirt. I didn't stay true to my Houston Astros. Wow. And, and I, I sat there by myself in the, in the, in the, the stadium and, and we won, by the way, the Astros won that game. Um, I'm wearing my Yankee shirt, so I, I didn't celebrate for, for the Astros. But, you know, what I did there, what I did in that during that game is I was texting my family and my friends and talking about the game. And what we were doing is we were not, uh, we were not talking about, you know, certain things. I, I think, like, A-Rod didn't get much of hits that game. And it's like, why hasn't he hit yet? What's going to happen? Is well, well, was this a postseason game? It was a wild card. Yep. See, Sim simple predictive analytics. A-Rod's not going to get a hit in the postseason. <laughs> well, sorry, sorry, Alex. Sorry if you're listening. Too easy. I know, I know. So we sat there, and uh, I sat there texting with friends and family, and, and uh, what I was talking about what was was about what was a, to happen. Like, like, will the hit happen? Will we get a run here? Will this happen? And I started to listen to the fans around me, and they were doing the same thing. You know, they, they weren't talking about various things they, or stats. They were talking about what, it, what the next play was. And that's where it clicked for me, is we need products that tie people to the game so that they can interact in the next play. Now, I just happened to be alone, and so I was making that connection happen for myself. But so what we call micro-betting, that simply predicting the next play we've been doing it forever and so this was this was 2015 and i think not long after uh i started to do the code to do this um while i was you know concurrently leading large teams that were designing things like supercomputers for uh for the united states government so well i'm gonna i'm gonna give you my first yankee game experience and then i'll let novi williams take over for a little while because i've been hogging some time here but uh, you'll know which game this was, my very first Yankee game. I wish there was predictive analytics and in-game betting then because my, the first at-bat, I would have said, I bet Reggie Jackson hits a home run. And then your algorithms would have spun, and I would have said, I bet Reggie Jackson hits another home run. And then your algorithms would have spun. And then I would have said, as seven-year-old me, I bet Reggie Jackson hits another home run. Game. And wow, and he, and he did, and he did, and he did. So that's why I keep going back. 
But imagine if you were like if you were in one of these one of these people today where you had your your headphones in and you weren't paying attention to the world and you weren't listening. I love the fact to me that tells you you know listening, paying attention, being aware of your surroundings sparked the idea for the company. I love that. <laughs> No, it was pretty good, and it was a great win. And you know, from the from 2015 on until until I had the worst, the first, not the worst, the first working MVP. You know, I probably went to over a hundred a uh, hundred games out at Minute Maid this time, a little closer to home. But it was a it was a fun thing. Like, there's nothing nothing more great than when you get to apply something you're really good at, like like is which is tech for me, into something that you really love, which is sports. And and uh, it, it was a good time for sure. That, that was my aha story. <laughs> so, so you're so you're building InVenue while working at, at Hewlett Packard. What's the moment where you decide, okay, InVenue is the is the full time thing that that this is a good enough idea, the tech is good enough, the, the the people you're talking to like it enough that that you can make that the full time career. Yeah, so around 2018 was when we formally founded the company. We said, let's uh, let's do this. Um, it was pre-PASPA, the revealing of uh, repealing of PASPA uh, legislation. And we said, we saw the writing on the wall, uh, that there's going to be a need for predictive analytics in live sports. Um, also, there was some Adam Silver op-ed pieces coming out, you know, where it said, hey, the NBA wants to bet on free throws and we want to do this. And he was talking about it in these pieces, like it was this wildest imagination thing, like, like what if we could do this? Wouldn't that be great? And I happened to have tech in my hands that could do it. And so founded the company, uh, waited a few months, and then uh, literally cleared out my 401k. And, and in January of 2019, came full-time out, uh, left HP, left a really safe and uh, great job where, where I was advancing and said, let's, let's do this. Um, my husband and I said, if not now, when? You know, like, we've got an idea, the market fit is there, we have a working product, and there's, there's a huge need for it. And just said, go for it. Evan, you, hold on. I got to jump in. Yeah. Evan, hold on. You know, I love the personal finance part of this all. Wait a minute. You paid the early withdrawal penalty on your 401k. That's the best seed financing you could come up with? At the time. Yeah. Well, that, oh, that, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's uh, raising money is a whole whole episode in itself, right? Like there's a lot of people to conv- convince. And, and what I did is I said, I'm just going to take a year off and, and design this thing. And so with my co-founders, then we, we raised the money post that. So Yep, we we did the un, unwise thing, but that's that's how I got started. I, I'm also fascinated that you did this before PASPA got repealed, because when when that happened, I think everybody knew eventually this was going to happen. Eventually, the federal ban on sports betting was going to lift, and sports were going to do their own thing. But it was kind of a surprise at the time that it had happened that early, at least in the circles that that I was running in. Um, I imagine that was a huge relief for you. It, it sounds like you you kind of knew it might be coming, but uh, suddenly to know that 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 all these states were going to be rushing to do their own things and yep. sports leagues were going to dive in, I imagine was a big relief. You know, it was so encouraging to see the leagues start to say, "Hey, we're interested in this." What Adam Silver was saying was 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 fascinating to us, but really and truly, it was the engagement piece. The there is no way to engage real time in sports, um, whether you're betting or whether you're not. That was that was what drove me. Um, so yes, there was definitely a great avenue in betting on free throws or betting on the next at bats. But but we weren't seeing great engagement otherwise. We were seeing things like win Terry's money or uh, uh, little trivia things that weren't weren't working. And we said whether or not you know the, the betting pans out because it was still pretty early, right? Um, 
we know that this engagement needs to happen and there's a huge space for it. So, so it made sense to us and that's, that's what we banked everything on. Should we give a shameless plug, Eben, and say the first time Adam Silver ever came out and said he was in favor of, the, of betting in sports was, uh, you know, I believe it was with one of our events at Sportico. Mm-hmm. You know, then he wrote the, the New York Times op-ed and, and, it, and it really took it off. He was a but, previous uh, employer uh, of ours, Scott, not Sportico. Yeah, yeah, oh, it was, it was, it was, we could say Bloomberg. That's fine. Yeah, it was our previous Bloomberg. employer. Yeah, yeah. It was, Kelly, you'll laugh. It was I think you'll laugh there. at this one. Uh, I, I like to bring up my old friend, David Stern all the time. And, and I'll never forget one time David and I were talking about sports betting and you know how it was always made. It was always made to be sort of this puritanical thing. Like we're against betting. We can't have betting. It's a bad thing. It's, you know, it's put it in there with the syntax stuff. Right. And David said to me one time, and it was it really just it brought it all together when you cover the business of sports. David said, Scott, you know when we're going to jump into sports betting with two feet when there's enough money to make sense for us to jump into sports betting with two feet. That was it. He just it was a strictly financial issue. When the money is there, when it's worth our while, we will do it. And guess what? That day came, and you can see everybody from an NFL that used to prevent players from going to fantasy sports or being anywhere near fantasy sports, everybody's adopting it whole hog. So uh, I love the engagement piece as well. I mean, we, we hear so much about engagement. I heard you, you gave a stat. It was like 65% uh, increase in, in engagement off one of, one of your tests. One of your tests. Uh, where do you see it? Uh, and, and what do you tell prospective clients? Well, you know, first of all, like uh, betting and micro betting in particular is engagement. Like that's that's what it's about. It's about the game that you're watching. And so we uh, we won the NBA Launchpad uh, selection this year, and we sat down with the NBA for several months and collaborated on what is the best bet that'll be most sticky. Uh, what we were concerned about was with the micro bets out today for the NBA, it's things like what will the next uh, shot be? Will it be a two made, a two miss, a three made, or three miss? And and what we all said together was, this is not how people watch an NBA game. Like, you don't sit down and, like, you may have said that about the home run, right? Like, will, will he hit a home run now? Will he hit a home run now? But I, I don't watch a basketball game. Many people do not. Maybe some do. And, and think about what will that next shot be? You know, maybe once, but usually we're talking about other things. And the NBA sat down and said, you know, uh, in venue, this is a game of runs. Like this is that's how people watch the sport. You know, it's it's what's going to happen in the next you know so many minutes, or uh, is somebody going to go on a streak? And so we designed Microbet to to satisfy that. We we called it first to fifteen, and there's there's a few other names that are out like that. But basically, we would reset the scoreboard um, every fifteen points and say who's going to get the next fifteen points. Um, and so we, we put that out to trial uh, during NBA finals, no pressure. That was our, our first trial. And we put it out on League Pass. And we took, you know, somewhere near 80,000 user sessions and almost 300,000 free-to-play microbets with, with no thrills. And they were, you know, just pick the answer. And we recorded what happened. And we, we got the metrics back. And the people who engaged, uh, they stayed almost 65% longer than somebody who wasn't interacting. And the point was, you know, you 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 say, well, I think it's going to be Miami. And you sit there and you watch those odds change with every possession change, with every shot. At, you know what you've picked. And then at the end of that 15-point uh, session, 
then you get this little green light and then it said, would you like to pick again? And so people kept doing it. And it was because it made sense with right now, Denver, uh, in some cases, Denver was just like blowing them away, but Miami would win like little 15 point runs. And it kind of changed how we watched uh, and how we game with the game within the game. That's right. And so you're kind of saying there, Kelly, that, that you can go too micro that, that if, if a full game is is maybe too long for the purposes, but the next the, the result of the next shot is maybe too short, that 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 there's a, a middle ground there for micro betting where you're you're cutting the game not into into two seconds but into fifteen points. Let's say it's five minutes of play. Is that the sweet spot right there? The sweet spot is however the fan is watching the sport, um, and that's going to be different for for each sport. So in in the NBA, uh, you know, what we really categorize those windows as where the sweet spots of watching were around in a seven minute range. So, you know, giving bets that make sense in that seven minute, seven minute window made a lot of sense, you know, like, and, and by the way, we could put out more than just, you know, the first of 15, we could put out other things that would complement within that seven minute window. Um, but does a fan want to sit and bet on each basket? Maybe some do, uh, but what we do is we study the fans and we, we use the leagues and their expertise because they know their fans best to figure out how to do that. And that's we're doing that same thing with NASCAR right now as we speak. You know, how, do, how do fans watch a race and what do the uh, in-race micro bets need to be based on how fans watch? I was going to ask you, there are some sports that lend themselves, I think, extremely well to micro betting, right? I don't think it's ironic. Or it's not a coincidence that, that baseball was where you had this kind of aha moment because it's, it's so structured in that way. And then there's sports on the other end. I've talked to the folks at Endeavor a lot about UFC. And one of the challenges that they have is just the, the gameplay and, and the way the the fights work out. It's just not as structured. There's not as many stats and all that. And they're they're working on that. I think of NASCAR as as towards that end also. That that if, if baseball is really easy, NASCAR seems a little harder. How, how do you think about different sports and the, the way in which the gameplay interacts with with creating micro bets? Really and truly, and I'm not exaggerating, it's how a fan watches. So you know, we've we've been to a few uh, NASCAR events and NASCAR races, and you know, and, and we've talked with NASCAR, and, and their point of view is, well, let's stop, let's let's break this down into the stages, like well, who's going to win each stage. So instead of like this, you know you know, many, 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 many laps, you know, who's going to be the winner, like who's going to be the stage winner, um, you know, that's, and who's going to place within the stage, those, those are starting to get a, a little bit more granular, um, you know, baseball, for example, I don't, I don't know about you guys, but when, when you watch a baseball game, you know, is, how often do you think is the next ball, you know, is the next pitch going to be a curveball or a fastball, like, you know, every now and then, but do you think that the whole time? You know, are you not really? You know, maybe no. not. I, I think that's part of the beauty of baseball. I actually do think it's a pitch by pitch science and he set him up with a fastball. I bet he comes back with a slow. And by the way, if you notice a lot of stadiums these days, they'll tell you what that pitch was along with the speed. So somebody must must be wanting it if stadiums are putting it on the scoreboard. Absolutely. Absolutely. And with about 300 pitches per game, like that's something that we do offer. But I think I think with the what gets really fun is when you start combining those up into, well, it'll be a pitch ball or it'll be a, a fastball and, you know, he'll swing or, you know, like there's, there's all kinds of combinations. So, so when we think about micro bets, we, we, like I said, we, we look at what fans are, are actually doing, how they think of the game, you know, is it game of runs? Now that doesn't mean we're not going to offer the shots as well uh, in basketball, but you know, we, we like to find those certain bet windows. Um, we like to say that you know in, in a in a game of blackjack the game doesn't start until the the player 
you know, comes to the table and puts some chips down. And that's how we see microbetting. Like we want to start start that engagement when, you know, for whatever time the better is, is going to give us and, and make the most of that. Um, that's that's our vision on microbet. I like the whole idea now. Let's bring that, let's extrapolate that blackjack. Like you can double down on a bet if the count goes to 0 and 2. Mm-hmm. This, this I like, Evan. What do you say? How much trouble could we get in with this? A lot. A lot. A lot of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but this, is the, this is the portion of the show. By the way, we're chatting with Kelly Pratt, CEO of Invenue. This is the portion of the show where I like our friends to think and roll their eyes and say, did Scott really say that? Yeah, so <laughs> Kelly, I'm sure you don't want to offer odds on, let's say, we're, how do fans watch an NBA game? Will Draymond Green be ejected today? You know, I, I mean, that, that's the, you know, I'm guessing we don't have that as part of the uh, Invenue uh, offerings. No, and and you know there's some that you have to be careful with. Like there's a uh, you know some we we also predict hit by pitch. That's some not something that we want to put out. Uh, also, like it's it seems a little bit a little dark. But you know our odds do pick up on who gets hit by pitch more than more than others. So we will see spikes on those. We just probably won't be offering you know the hit by pitch. A particular micro bet. That reminds me, the the folks at Zebra, who had a, a partnership with the NFL for a long time on data, had chips and players in in shoulder pads. And one of the things they were collecting early on was the speed of the deceleration when players got hit, how fast they were going, and how quickly they got to zero. And I think very quickly, everyone around the league and around Zebra realized that that of, of the data they were going to put out publicly. Um, how quickly someone decelerated from 20 miles an hour to zero was maybe not on the list of things that, that the NFL really wanted out there. Yeah, bi- biometrics would be great, but you know what you're not going to see? And I, I can remember my, my old uh, class in high school, F equals M times A, right? Huh, Kelly, help me out here. Force equals mass times acceleration. Uh, Eben was a lightweight football player, so the mass and the constant was very low. And, and knowing him also, the acceleration was probably pretty low. But the <laughs> NFL does not want that sort of data out. Uh, Kelly, help me out here, though. Give me on the, the business of sport. It, obviously, if you tapped into your 401k, it wasn't like everybody was throwing money at these ideas. I get the sense now, though, that buzzwords for investors, sports, sports adjacent, media, tech, that, that, that's a hot thing. What's the difference between raising money then and not that you are right now, but raising money now and how do you see the ecosystem? Well, you know, it, it's been a, a tough couple of years out in the ecosystem of raising money just, you know, due to the market itself. But, you know, sports tech uh, is, is hot. Microbets are hot. But the truth is there's there's not a lot of us out there doing this. So it's still it's still a rough ecosystem if you want to know the truth on on raising. And I think once you start raising, you're always raising, right? So we're we're always in that camp. Um we've we've raised, you know, uh, just under um just under nine million at this point, uh building up this platform that does billions and billions of microbets in you know, in a, in the course of a year. So uh it's it's still a tough landscape, but it's definitely it's definitely taking off microbets are on everybody's roadmap right now we're getting traction you know we look at the changes over the last couple of years on back when you know two years ago when we really started in earnest on pivoting to microbets um microbets were really something that was still kind of futuristic we'll see if it works out uh the very first microbet came out with uh DraftKings and and mlb uh and, and that was kind of testing the waters for all of us, you know, due to some first movers and, and earlier adopters. And that was fantastic. But it's, it's taken a couple of years for that to get on everybody's roadmap. We need it. And now we're in this point where, 
we're going to start to see microbits take off, I believe, in the next year um, with multiple multiple suppliers, multiple ways to bet. One of the things I've kind of always wondered about microbets, and it, and it doesn't really apply to the, the seven-minute microbet, but definitely for the much smaller ones, is the technology that people have in their homes around watching, right? Streaming, I am often in, in my apartment here in New York City, I, I, sometimes a minute and a half behind actual gameplay, right? And and, and that elim- immediately eliminates a lot of b- types of bets that I could maybe place if my broadband was faster or if I was sitting in the stadium. Uh, I, I am curious. I mean, would, you, how, would you care to pro- would you care to provide the name of your internet provider just for the heck I, of I it? Believe, I'm curious. I believe it is Spectrum. Yeah. Um, and, and, okay, and, okay. and in New York City, for example, I think it's the only operator I'm allowed to have in this building. Uh, it's not like I have 15 choices. Some buildings in New York, you only have the one, the one ISP provider that, that does it. And I'm curious, Kelly, how much you think about the way that as, as streaming accelerates, I do think it, we're in this weird point on the technology where a lot of people are further behind watching at home than they used to be if they were watching five years ago and how much that affects their ability to do a lot of the microbetting that you're providing. Yeah, it definitely. Definitely. It's something that we talk about a lot when we, when we first, uh, you know, took that leap and created our platform. We also created an app so that we could play along in real time. And that's where we were first really exposed to how many how many people have different services, uh, who's watching on streaming, which could be, you're right, there could be, it could be huge delays, 30 second to a minute, like it's, it's all over the map uh, versus uh, I think Comcast for, you know, back at home at Houston was about 12 seconds delay. Um, so, we were we were faced with how do you sync that up? How do you time the bets? And but we also realized once we we played around and got where everybody was was working and playing as they were watching because we weren't doing money bets. Um, we found that watching and betting is much more powerful. Like it's it's much more engaging. But right now today, if you're you're sitting in your apartment and you're watching and you pull up your your apps, your sportbook apps where you could bet on those things, you're they're not synced at all. So something like a pitch by pitch, you have to make a choice. Do I do I watch my app or do I watch, you know, do I watch my service and watch the game on TV? And that's something that we see shrinking over time. Like there is technology out there that is has zero latency streaming. So we're that's that's happening. Uh it's it's it exists and once that does happen, we compare our live our live microbit feed with that zero latency streaming and you could in fact watch it's it's less a function of your service and more a function of choices made at the at the the broadcast streaming side yeah so so the truth is the technology exists that gives us zero latency or near zero latency streaming and and as we start to pair our live microbit feed that's that's you know real time looking forward and zero latency streaming all of these things that you're experiencing with big delays well, that's that's going to be a thing of the past. So we're we're getting closer and closer to that place where we can actually watch and bet uh, together more naturally, um, and it's happening. You know, I expect it'll be another year year or two before we start to really see that in in perpetuity. Hey Kelly, can you give me a breakdown of users demographically in terms of age for betting? Yeah, you know, at this point, you know, I, I've seen studies out there, and since we're more of a B two B provider at this point, we're not very privy to all of that, but we do a lot of studies on that. And it's still in the sports betting world, the, the demographic is still highly uh, male, 18 to 35 is, is where it's been living for the most part. I'm really excited about things that the front ends and, and that the sports books are doing to capture more women's votes. Uh, because, you know, women watch, you know, 
uh, sports uh, almost as much as men. I think the the what, US, what are they doing? If I can interject, what are they doing to capture female? Like what what do I put out there to capture a female vote? Well, I love what ESPN Bet is starting to do, and I love their uh, I love their uh, advertising and how it's it's starting to be more inclusive in that sense. But you know, bottom line, we need to start turning those front ends to something where where women will play along with as well. Although I'm not necessarily the voice to speak for all of that because you know this is a that's a, a big industry solution that's coming, but I would love to see the demographic uh, shift and have where it includes everybody because micro bets are about casual betting. It's about that casual fan, and that's where you know you really start to expand that demographic. That's the typical sports betting demographic. So uh, I think there's going to be a lot of shifts on that front. I've wondered about this a lot actually. That the 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 the, the demographics of sports books and and a lot of betting companies just don't don't align up from a gender breakdown at least definitely don't align with the gender breakdown of the fans of that sport. And I and I have wondered if it is a product problem, if it is an advertiser problem, if, if there are just differences in how people consume things. I, I yeah, it's it's been something that I've thought about a lot as well. When we uh when we put out our app and we we uh, we ran uh, our studies on small small scale uh, over the 2019 MLB playoffs, you know we we asked all of our family and friends and everybody we knew played played. Uh, and we watched the the betting patterns. Um, this is a very very small scale, but what we saw was you know how casual fans are going to be the ones that dictate this. And when we start to put out ways for casual fans to interact and engage uh, women to uh, men that aren't as avid as as some of the the sports betting typical demographic, then things get really powerful because they stay and they play longer because it's it's more inclusive. Uh, they're watching as well. It's just. It just op- the casual betting and micro betting opens up a whole a whole new uh, pretty much a whole new category. It's it's just very different than your typical sports betting different demographic, and we're really excited about that. And that's tied so closely with watch and bet um, as well. Like you know how you engage people while they watch, how you engage you know go all the way back to that playoff wild card game where I was uh, in Yankee Stadium. How do you engage me in that particular moment? You give. You make that happen, microbuts can do it, then I think we can really radically change and shift the whole world of, of fan engagement in, in sports, including betting. And I don't want to be the downer here, but we do know that all sports leagues are trying to figure out how to reach kids. And I have my 14-year-old focus group of one, and this scares the bejesus out of me. The fact that my credit card is linked on his Xbox, you know, he's got to have it for whenever. And he's got his community of friends on Snapchat that I am not monitoring and I don't, I just really, really put up a big caution flag. I've had the talk with him about, you know, you know who makes money in casinos, the owners, um, and about you keep going, you're eventually going to lose your money. And uh, I mean, we do that with a lot of things with our kids, but damn, I got to tell you, Kelly, it scares the bejesus out of me that I've got a 14 year old in a world where you can reach right into his brain anytime you want through that phone. And uh, I, I'm just not sure what he's doing and what I mean flat out is an, an addictive behavior. Yeah, responsible gaming is, is super important. And I do like what I see. Uh, some of the all of the sports books really are out there doing some some things that uh, help that um, we we believe it's super important. How we contribute into some of that is some of our work like with uh, U.S. integrity to make sure that the bets are are clean and doing technology innovations to uh to help with that. And that's, that's also an area that's going to grow over time. But yeah, absolutely share, share your concern. Anything that's an addictive behavior is certainly a concern. And I look forward to a lot of the front end solutions that will help with that because that's, uh, 
yeah, we, we have the similar concerns. All right, I'm not ending on a downer, though. Give me, give me, you said your B2B, picking up on that, since you have the talks with the leagues. Give us a glimpse, please. Give us a glimpse of the strategy from anything you can sort of say this is a commonality among strategy, among sports leagues, from the talks they're having with you. Where are we headed? Where are they headed? What are they looking at? You know, really what's in common with each and every league that we've been talking to and have been working with is, is they, want, they, see, they see this as an experience. Um, you win the fan experience. It amplifies the value of everything in the chain. They more they make more money because they're giving fans what they want, and it's just a virtuous cycle of of good. And uh, you know, give fans way to connect, ways to connect, ways to engage, and it just it just flows all the way around. That's that's what I'm seeing happen. Like, make the experience really whole. Make it about the game. Make it relevant. Uh, they're all very very focused on that. That's. That's exciting because that's exactly why we founded InVenue is to build experiences that interact with the game. And, and I, I, I also see the leagues being highly responsible, highly concerned about responsible gaming. There's lots of work happening in that area. And, um, you know, we're just very, very happy to play a part in this because, you know, like going back to those uh, Adam Silver pieces back, you know, the ones that I first read were, you know, around 2014 and, you know, that vision, that vision's happening now and we have a lot of work. By the way, Adam was talking about responsible gaming even back then on how we, how we address it. So we've got, we've got work to do, but golly, it's such an exciting time. Wait, hold on. Speaking of focus, Evan, if you haven't noticed that like there's been sunspots on me here working at home, I forget where the sun is. I've been holding up a notebook. I was going to mention this exact thing, Scott, before I closed it for the past 15 minutes, you've been holding the thing up. It got a (laughs) I've been holding this here. So, I mean, it's not so bad right now, but five minutes ago, it was like blaring right in my face. So how about that focus, Eben Novi Williams? Let's <laughs> want that. that noted for the record. Man can do two things at once. Uh, Kelly Pratt, CEO of InVenue. Thank you very much for joining us. You can find Kelly on Twitter at KJ Pract. Uh, he is Scott Soshnick. You. you can find him on Twitter. I talk over Twitter him, Kelly, at the at end because I like to see if I can throw him off. I am Eben Novi Williams. You can find me on Twitter at Novi so underscore you've Williams. Well, and you knew her. The show is produced by Aaron Greenewald. Yeah, yeah, Thank you very much yeah, to thanks Aaron. To her again. Sportico's digital yeah, media editor, Cora, Cora Veltman, yeah, yeah, would like you to Cora. know that you can follow the Sportacast at Sportacast, nice. which is the hub Roll. of the Sportico well Media Network. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.